Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. We're looking at the third part of the series that we've started, Men and Women Who Have a Heart After God. And um, this morning, we're going to look at Moses, but this is what the Scripture says in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. That's kind of like a key scripture for this time. Acts chapter 13, verse 22 says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And so we're looking at people who have a heart after God. We looked at Jehoshaphat, and we saw that he was a man who sought after God. He was seeking God for every decision that he would make, and he had an attitude of seeking God generally, which really made him a man after God's own heart because he did the things the Bible says that his father or grandfather, David, had done. And then we looked at Mary from Bethesda the other day, and we saw that she had such a heart after God for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons were that she prepared Jesus for his burial. And she was a lady who loved to worship God, to be in his presence. She had that intimate relationship with God. She was truly a lady with a heart after God. And today we're going to be looking at Moses. And isn't it interesting that Jenny's story with the kids was about Moses. And so when we swapped notes on Friday when I was the video, uh, the person who did the video, um, Jane said, no, we're talking about Moses. I said, I'm also talking about no- Moses. So she said, I could use her notes for today. So we're going to be looking at Moses today. A man after God's own heart. And I'm going to reveal the plot of the story straight away and tell you why Moses was a man after God's own heart. And And I think there's many things within Moses' life that made him a man after God's own heart. But one of the things that's kind of subtle when you read the story of Moses, because there are so many incredible scenes and experiences within his life, and you almost miss this one, but when you start reading from Moses' life, it's kind of like the middle period of his life to the end you'll find out that he had a real closeness with God. And the reason why he was a man after God's own heart, because God calls him his friend. Now, we know that there are other people in the Bible that God calls them his friend. And of course, we know that Abraham was God's friend. But we also see that Moses was God's friend. And um, of course, there's another reason why Moses is a man after God's own heart, because Moses became the deliverer leader of the Old Testament, and he pictures what Jesus would do. 
Moses took the Israelites, God's people, out of Egypt, out of bondage, and he brought them into a place where Joshua could take them into the promised land. He didn't take them into the promised land, but he brought them out of bondage. Jesus in that way is similar to Moses. Jesus became the deliverer, healer, and deliverer, leader. And he took us out of our slavery, the slavery of sin, the bondage that we were in where we were forced to do things that we didn't want to do. Our nature was corrupted. Our environment was corrupted. And Jesus took us out of that slavery of Egypt, of our sins, and the oppression that was over us from um, the ungodly leaders, from the pharaohs, from the devil, from Satan. He took us out of that. And in that sense, um, Moses is a picture of Jesus. And I think that that's also one reason why I would say that he was a hot man after God's own heart. But I really do believe that as you read the scripture, you will find out that God found a friend in Moses. Isn't that an incredible, vulnerable situation for God to be in, that he would find a friend in a human that he created. And we know that the God is a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they have fellowship together. But God makes himself vulnerable to his creation. And in Moses, he found a friend. And um, this is very exciting just to explore this. So let's have a look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Verse 1 says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over there and see the strange sight. Why the bush did not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Note, God mentions him by name. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Similar to another story in scripture when God called for Samuel and Eli said to Samuel, just answer, um, here am I. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good, spacious place, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, 
Hevites and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. The Bible tells us that the Lord knew Moses face to face in Deuteronomy. In Exodus, we learn that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one would speak to a friend. God also said of Moses, I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. We are also told that Moses saw God at least from behind, in Exodus chapter 33, when Moses asks God to show him his glory, God answers, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And then he allows Moses to see his back, but not his face. They had a unique relationship. We also see that at times, Moses would spend times with God and the glory of God would be upon Moses. And when he goes down to the people, and I say down to the people because oftentimes Moses met with God on the mountaintops. And uh, you know, for some reason, I think that um, God and everything that he did with the people, he, uh, I think if God knew about Switzerland at that time, he would have dwelt here and he would have been on the mountain and Moses would have been here. Don't all of you agree? It is just so magnificent here. But it's not really the way that it happened. But nevertheless, God met with Moses and Moses went on top of the mountain and there God's glory just covered Moses. And when he went down from the mountain to spend time with the people, to tell the people what God had said, to share with them something of this God that he knew, this friendship that he had with God, he had to cover his face with a veil. Second Corinthians, the first uh, chapter three or four tells us he had to cover his face with a veil and wait for some time for that glory to pass before the people could look at him. Moses and God, had a unique relationship. Of course, we know that in the beginning of, of, of Moses' life, the Bible says that his mother looked at Moses and she knew that he was special. And that is why she hid him. And that is why we understand the story of Moses, how she was brought up by um, another lady and it was all within God's plan and um, this was a very special man because he had something like seven women who brought him up. You know, he must have been quite a handful to have seven women to bring him up. I only needed one. But uh, we see here with Moses that God looked at him and God looked at Moses and he said, man, you know, this is a special man. I'm gonna choose him for something very special, to be a deliverer people. But my friends, it didn't stop there. God didn't only choose him because he was a special man. 
and that God had chosen him for this task. But God loved to spend time with Moses. And you will see within Moses' journey that he loved to spend time with him. He was truly a friend of God. When I read the Bible, and this is just some of the revelations over this week as I was just getting into the story and hearing God speak to me about this amazing man, Moses, one of the things that I started to understand was that when you have a friendship with someone, this friend can almost ask you anything because of the friendship relationship. And so when you read the Bible and you read the Bible and you don't understand that God wants to have a friendship relationship with you, you'll interpret the Bible from a point of view where God is not your friend and you are not his friend. And so we read the commands of God and it seems so huge and so difficult and and we don't understand why God would ask certain things of us. But my friends, when you understand that a friend can almost ask anything of a friend, and when you start reading the scriptures in the context of friendship that God the sovereign would have with men who are so flawed, and you start reading the scriptures, you understand that the relationship that we have with him is rather special. And you know what? That changes the way that I read the scripture. That changes the way that I see God when I start to see God as my friend. That's an incredible change within mindset. I know within the Swiss culture, when we first came to Switzerland, people were giving us some of the regulations that you need to follow so you wouldn't offend the culture and the Swiss people. So for instance, you don't mention the name of a Swiss people, the first name, like John or like Leo. Leo is here. I couldn't just walk up to Leo and say, hello, Leo, I'm Piet. I would have to address him by his surname in proper terms, and I had to use the word Herr before. And the moment when the Swiss person informalizes that relationship, then you can start to mention them by their first name. I met our landlord last year after six years being in Switzerland. And as I walked up to him, I greeted him and I said, Herr Schweiger, and ich bin Herr Wallace. And so I started talking a little bit to him and straight away, he went into the informal and he gave me his first name. He shook my hand and he says, please call me by his first name. And that relationship suddenly changed. Now when I see him, I can mention, I can call him by his first name. I can roll down the window and say, hello, how are you? Previously, I couldn't do it because there was an informal relationship. My friends, so many Christians relate to God in the formal. He's distant, he's not friend. And so we read the scriptures and we don't understand it. You're invited to pray and you have a struggle to pray because God is not your friend. Because you talk to God in an intimate way when you know that he's your friend. Your conversation changes. I truly believe that many people struggle with prayer 
because they have not yet encountered God as their friend. One of the big things within our church is our prayer meeting. It's, it's kind of like one of the, um, the heartbeats of our church. And oftentimes, I don't think people are, they, it, 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 people are not um, rebellious when it comes to praying. I just think that people struggle to pray within a group because they struggle to pray personally. And I think people struggle to pray in a prayer meeting because they don't have that closeness with God. People who know God as their friend can pray privately and they can pray together in a sense. And so I'm reading the Bible differently. I'm understanding God differently because he is my friend and I am his friend. How cool is that? And we see that God starts off this relationship with Moses in this burning bush experience. God knew that with Moses, he needed to really reveal himself to him. Moses, despite the reasons that Moses gave, and I was gonna talk about it, but we'll do that at a later time. But Moses gives five reasons why he cannot do what God wanted him to do. And so God knew his personality. He was already a strong person, brought up in the Egyptian culture. He was a leader. He'd gone through experiences that were not that pleasant, but he was a strong man. And so God comes to him by way of the burning bush, and God breaks through into Moses' life miraculously. How would you like to walk up to a bush and it's burning, and it's not burning out, and a voice appears? That of an angel, the Bible says, but it's actually Jesus' voice. Oftentimes when the Old Testament talks about an angel of the Lord, many commentators say it's, it's actually Jesus who also came. And so many times that would happen. I believe it was Jesus speaking to Moses. One deliverer to another deliverer and said, you know, free my people from the bondage that they were under. And so we see here that he speaks to Moses within the bush of fire. And God speaks to him personally, and that's where that relationship starts. We've got to have an encounter with this God so that we could have a friendship with him. I had to have an encounter with Herr for me to start to have somewhat of a friendship with him. You've got to have an encounter with God to be that friend of his. And the thing is, he's calling out to you. He's appearing to you. Even today, through the word of God, he's revealing himself to you. And he's saying, I want to be your friend. You be my friend. And so we see here that as he speaks to Moses, there is this awesome and miraculous experience that he has. But Moses kind of holds his own in his conversation with God because he offers all of these excuses. But God speaks to him personally. And God says to him, and God reveals who he is because Moses says, God, I cannot go and speak to Pharaoh. And God says, don't worry. He says, you can. He says, but who do I say you are? He says, well, all you need to do is to say to Pharaoh that I am who I am. And the moment when he said that, God revealed himself to Moses in a very personal way. God graciously Gives him his name. You see, firstly, God entrusted Moses, his friend, with his name. And that's awesome. 
when we become friends of someone, they kind of entrust their reputation to us. And this is what God is doing. He's entrusting Moses with his name. He says, you go to Pharaoh and you tell Pharaoh, I am who I am has sent me to you. Say, I am has sent me to you. God graciously gives his name to Moses. Yahweh, translated in the Hebrew. It is a form of the verb to be. It speaks of being. It speaks of life. It speaks of being the source. I am who I am. And that name has longevity to it. This is my name forever. I am who I am, Jehovah. And so God says to Moses, you go to Pharaoh and tell him who I am. But God knew that he needed to send someone who would be a friend of his. God knew that he needed to send someone who had an intimate relationship with him so that Moses can carry through the testimony and the reputation of God as he stands, because he would represent God before Pharaoh. He wanted a friend to do that. My friends, even in today's world, God entrusts his name to us. He entrusts his name to us in business, the negotiations that we make, the way we conduct ourselves in business, he entrusts his name to us. As a teacher, he entrusts his name to you as you represent your students, as you represent God to your students. My friends, he's entrusted his name with us. And when God has something awesome for us to do, he wants us to do it within the context of his friendship because he knows we'll honor his name. Now, my friends, I truly believe that God, in the sense he chose Moses, in the New Testament context, he's chosen all of us to carry his name and to represent him before others. Not just pastors, not just prophets, not just evangelists, not just teachers. The people who is working in the banking industry, in the pharmacy industry, in all areas of government, local and national. My friends, we are entrusted with his name. If we're a Christian, we carry God's name, Yahweh, wherever we go. What a privilege. And that's why he wants to have this friendship relationship with us. God also entrusts us not only with his name, but when we become his friend, and in the case of Moses, when he sent Moses to Pharaoh, he entrusted Moses with his people. You see, that's what friends do. I remember talking to my sons one day, and I said to them, you know what? Wherever you go, you will represent the Wallace name. I said, what you do out there will bear testimony to the Wallace name, positively or negatively. It is exactly the same with God. And then I said to them, you are my sons. 
you know, and, and so with my sons, I want them to carry who we are into the next generation. And this is what God is saying to Moses. Moses, I have called you. And I'm entrusting you with this people, with the Israelites. And of course, Moses knew something of the Israelites. And I think that is where the excuses started to come. I think Moses was comfortable to carry God's name with him. But it was a different story to be entrusted with the Israelites, God's people. Because he knew, the Bible says that they were stiff-necked people. They were a difficult people. Moses says, God, mm -mm, not me. And he gives all of these excuses. My friends, that's how you and I sometimes feel. But in this friendship relationship that God has with us, it is such an enormous privilege that one friend would entrust his family with another friend. And this is what's happening here. You see, when you see it in the context of friendship, it changes things. Yes, they are stiff-necked people, but God is the God of the stiff-necked people. God asks Moses, he says, I want to entrust you with these people. Moses gives many reasons why he can't, but as he grows in his friendship with God, he still sees them as a difficult people, but he leads them. Why? It comes out of that relationship with God, that friendship relationship. And so, my friends, God is entrusting a universe to us as his church. It is through the manifold wisdom of the church that God's name will be manifested, the book of Ephesians says. He's entrusted the world to his church. Why? Because this world matters to God. And he's chosen us as his friends and it's a huge privilege for God to say, I'm entrusting the world to you, my friend. Now go out and preach the gospel. Baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded them. And lo, I'll be with you forever until the ends of the earth. God entrusts us with his people. Moses goes and he says, God, this is an awesome task. But you see, God entrusts Moses with his name. God entrusts Moses with his people. But God also entrusts Moses with his power. You see, my friends, God will never ask us to do something that he doesn't empower us to do. A friend never drops a friend. God isn't saying to Moses, Moses, now I want you to bear my name in front of Pharaoh. I want you to represent my people, the Israelites. And then God says, well, you go and do it in your own strength, in your own power. No, God entrusts Moses with his power. He gives him the resource to do the job. That's why he says to Moses, you see this little stick that you have? He says, you take the stick, you throw it on the floor, the staff. 
And as he does that, it becomes a snake. He says, now you pick up that snake by the tail. Well, I don't know if you're very fond of snakes, but I'm certainly not. Even though I'm an African, we steer far away from them. Moses picks it up by the tail, lifts it up, and it becomes a snake. He says, will you speak to Pharaoh? That's the wonder I would do. But if he's still, no, God says, okay, you take your hand, you put it in your bosom. As you put your hand in your bosom, just take it out. So Moses does it, takes it out, and it is leprous. What? Wow, what's going on here? God says, okay, no, no, don't worry. Just put it back in your bosom. He does, takes it out, and it's completely healed. Probably better than what it was before. He says, now you, tell Pharaoh all about that. He says, Moses, I'm entrusting you with my power. You see, God entrusts his friends with his resource. I know that I have some very, very good friends. And some of my friends I will entrust with my family. Some of my friends I will entrust with some of my other friends. You know, as a pastor of the church here, I'm very careful who I entrust this church with. I don't just let anybody come in here to preach or to do things that people say, well, why don't you do it? Well, firstly, some of them are not my friends. A friend entrusts his family to a friend. I feel strongly about those things. God does the same thing here. He entrusts his name. He entrusts his people, but he entrusts his power to Moses, his friend. Some of you are saying, but I want to do this, I want to do that. What do I need to do? Become the friend of God. In those places, the Bible says that he will share the secrets of his covenant with you. Proverbs says that those who fear the Lord, he shares the secrets of his covenant with them. Be a friend of God. You know, it's amazing the story of the staff and of the hand. But God goes further. We see here that God would do remarkable wonders through Moses. We see here that he turns the mighty Nile itself into blood to catch Pharaoh's attention. He would cover the land with lice and grasshoppers and frogs and gnats and nasty looking painful boils. He would eclipse the sun and plunge the nation into thick darkness to get Pharaoh's attention, and he does that through Moses. Finally, he would snuff out the life of every firstborn male of Egypt. He can do it because he is God, and the purpose is for his people to be delivered. I just love this wonderful concept that Moses was a man after God's own heart because he was God's friend. I had the opportunity yesterday to go for a three or a four hour walk and I did it around Hog and Dawn, the place that I just love. I just love living there. And as I went walking, I was just talking to God and just talking to God, and just talking to God. And, and while I was observing the beauty and watching the guys playing with model airplanes on one of the fields there, and 
people passing me by on their bicycles and people walking their dogs and husband and wives or people walking, holding hands. I was just walking just all over there. It was just so beautiful. Ken sent me a wonderful, wonderful new song that just came out yesterday about being a friend of God. And I thought it was so applicable to what I had shared and prepared for today. You know, it's an amazing thing. Jesus, my friends, wants to be our friend. And prayer is easier when we see Jesus as our friend. So often we want to follow all of the protocol. We want to do this, we want to do that, we want to do this. And it is so much easier just when you have encountered Jesus as your friend. You won't have many friends in this life. They normally say, you know, you can rely upon about four or five friends. And as you get older, um, it's the smaller group of friends that you can rely on. And Jenny and I have been blessed in the churches that we've pastored. Out of that, we've, we have friends that are lifelong friends. First church together and how we've got just incredible friends still. And previous church in Durban North, just amazing friends. I can call them anytime and they'll be there for us. And here at Lyft, we've made friendships that will endure forever. You know, friendships are so special and they're so important. But my friends, there's a friend, the Bible says, who sticks closer than a brother. And that's God. And I'd like to introduce you to this friend today if you do not know him. His name is Jesus. And he'll open the door for you in a most wonderful way to get to know God. And as he becomes your friend, you'll understand what the Bible says more clearly. You'll understand that God entrusts you with his name, that God wants to entrust you with his people. And indeed, God wants to entrust you with his power. When Jenny and I came here, we knew that this was an enormous task to come to Switzerland and to this church. But one thing that God has never done, he's never forsaken us because he's our friend and we're his friends. And he gave us his power collectively with the other elders and the other leaders and the other people within the church so that we can see God transforms people's lives. He entrusted us with his power. Why don't you partner with us as he will entrust more of his power to us to reach his people? Would you stand as we pray, please? Father, we want to thank you this morning that God, you, are our Father. That Father, you are our God. And Father God, that you are our friend. <laughs> How awesome is that? I pray this morning that you would give a greater revelation to all of us of your friendship with us. Lord, we understand a little bit of the life of Moses throughout the different generations that he served you. 
good decisions he made, the bad decisions he made. But one thing that stands out is that you were his friend and he was your friend. Even so much so that in the New Testament on the mountain, once again, you invited him to join you even after he had died and to show your glory to the world through Moses, through Elijah. They were your friends. Thank you for making yourself vulnerable to us through Jesus so that we can be your friend too and so that you can be our friend. Would you through the cross this morning reveal yourself to people? Even as we've spoken this morning, even as we've worshiped this morning and also just as we sing this next song, Lord, you are my king. We pray that through your Holy Spirit that you would empower us to be entrusted with your power, with your people, and with your name. We thank you in Jesus' name.